has been faithful. My Lord, I'm telling you, I feel the anointing of God in this house today. I feel the power and the presence of a holy God in this house. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you better get ready because I believe the Lord's going to touch us and help us today. Amen. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing and what He's going to do. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Luke, the second chapter. I'm going to quote one verse before I go into the text, but you can just turn to Luke chapter 2. Matter of fact, we could probably all quote it together. And I'm looking down at my notes, and the text in my notes has the wrong verse. That's an indicator. There's no telling what's in the rest of my notes then. <laughs> well, praise God. Thank God I know where I'm going. My notes don't know. I want to quote John chapter 3 verse 16, and then I'm going to read in Luke chapter 2. In John chapter 3 verse 16, we all know that. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave... His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Luke chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while queer... Quirinius, help me Lord, the governor of, was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In verse 7, the King James says, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Nevertheless, she wrapped him. So I want to use for a title this morning, Unwrapping the Gift. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for your spirit, your power, and your presence, your anointing. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that I can already feel and sense your anointing in this house Lord, as the worship team has ushered in your spirit, in your presence, every song sung, God has been anointed by you, and God has set the stage for this moment of the word. God, I confess with my mouth I'm nothing but human flesh, and God, I need your help today. I need the anointing to rest upon these lips of clay to minister your word. God, I pray that every word that proceeds out of my mouth would be authored and anointed by you. And God, guard my mouth that nothing would be said except that which you want said. Anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Brother Michael, would you bring that table right here? 
for me, please? Just right here by the manger. Yes, sir. Thank you. If you read the Bible and you read the Christmas story, you can see real quick that there's some issues with what's happened. I want to point your attention real quick to verse number five. Look at verse number five real quick. They were going to register for the census. Verse five says, in order to register, talking about Joseph, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Now, in common society, there's a problem in this verse. Right? They were engaged and she was with child. Does anybody still believe in marriage first? Hello? Don't get mad at the mailman. I'm just putting the letter in the box. Hello. According to society, there's an issue right here. They were engaged and she was with child. But in order for the miracle to really be the miracle, certain things don't always happen with political correctness. Hello, somebody. When God is in the mix of things, I learned a long time ago, He'll do it like He wants to do it. It doesn't matter if it measures up to what we think or not. Let me talk about the gift and unwrapping the gift. If you'll give me just a few moments, I'm going to get through an introduction and I'm going to illustrate this message for you in just a moment. For the Christian... Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. It is a time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Now I'll go ahead and just remove the elephant from the room for anybody that may want to say, well, preacher, I'll go ahead and say it for you. No, Jesus was not born on December the 25th. Who cares when he was born? He was born. And we're going to celebrate it. Matter of fact, if we're living the life we ought to live, we'll celebrate it 365 days a year, not just one day of the year. Now let's move on. It's the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. For those who do not know Christ as their Savior and their Lord, Christmas is a favorite time of year for many different reasons. Much of their fondness of Christmas is centered around the receiving of gifts. Perhaps the beautiful light displays or just the many gatherings of parties. While there's nothing wrong with giving and receiving gifts, we must be cautious that our focus as Christians is not consumed with the practice of receiving a gift and giving a gift. Christmas carries a far deeper and richer meaning for us. Actually, for everyone who will embrace it. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. Not just the birth of a baby, but the birth of a Messiah. Not just the new addition to a family, but the addition 
to the world of a Savior. Not just the birth of a baby. I feel the anointing to preach. Not just the birth of a baby, but the birth of the Lord, the birth of the Lamb, and the birth of the Lion, and the birth of the Leader. Mm. Over the past several years, Christmas has become so commercialized that the effort to stifle its true meaning has become the goal and agenda of some. But it is time for the church to arise and once again declare a king is born. A savior is born. The wonderful counselor. The prince of peace. The mighty God. The everlasting father. The birth of Emmanuel. God with us has happened. And it's why we celebrate. I said, it's why we celebrate. Hmm. Let me talk to you about wrapped. Now, you're just going to have to forgive me. Because I'm going to come down here and preach. Is that all right? Might as well be. After Jesus was born... Mary wrapped him in cloth or swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Let me give a disclaimer. No babies were hurt in anything that happens this morning. Laid him in a manger. Literally a feeding trough. Did you hear what I said? A feeding trough. In most opinions, a place not even fit for a baby to lay. Especially that of a king. The savior of the world. The Lord, the Messiah. But the fact is that this speaks a more far-reaching impact of the birth of Jesus. He came for everyone. Not just for the elite. Not just for the popular. Not just for those who can afford salvation. Hello, somebody. I heard somebody say one time, said, well, you know, uh, Jesus was born and laid in a manger because Mary and Joseph were poor. I'm going to wreck your theology if that's what you think. The Bible didn't say that they couldn't afford a room at the inn. It said there wasn't no room. Brother, they had the money to afford it or they never went there in the first place. But he was laid in a trough. His birth, his life, and his death was for the benefit of whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord. And it's always been of interest to me that many of the traditions that we carry today that have been passed down from one generation to another generation to another generation have come from the story of Christmas. Can I just tell you something that just humors me? Now, if you're around me very much, you know one thing about me. I'm serious when I get to this point of the week. But most of the time, I, I, I love to laugh. We'll joke around. We'll cut up. We'll have a great time. But it just humors me that people have decided that we're not going to say Merry Christmas anymore because it's offensive. So instead of saying Merry Christmas, we're going to say Happy Holidays. 
is the most ludicrous and asinine thing I've ever heard of in my life. Because they are so naive to not even know that the word holiday, H-O-L-I-D-A-Y, derived from the two words holy day. So why don't you just next time somebody looks at you and says, Happy Holidays, why don't you look at them and go, Happy Holy Day. But many of the things that we do have derived from this story. As you remember of the Christmas story, the wise men were sent by Herod to find the baby. Because Herod told them he wanted to worship the baby. Yeah, I want, to, I want to go worship him. That's what Herod wanted to do. The devil is a liar. You may lie to a wise man, but you're not going to lie to a wise God. So the wise men sit out to find this baby. But God spoke to them. And I'll talk about what happened when they got there in just a minute. But let me just say this. God spoke to them and said, don't go back the way you came. Hello. Go somewhere else. Watch this. Here's the impact. The wise men sit out to find this baby. Jesus. And it's always amazed me of the immediate impact that this baby had upon lives of these wise men. Listen to the words of Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. After they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they fell down bam, and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshipped. They opened their treasures. They presented these gifts. And in this season, we engage in the practice of giving and receiving and exchanging gifts with one another. And while there is nothing wrong with this practice, it cannot become our central focus. Because if it does, we've missed the true meaning of Christmas. I've come to understand something. To some people, Jesus is only a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Get quiet on me while I'm preaching. I'll preach to four o'clock if you get quiet on me. To some people, he's only a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And to some people, he goes from a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes to a crucified Savior wrapped in grave clothes. Now, if I need to explain that a little more deeper, I can. But I'm going to rewind button and say it one more time. To some people, he goes from being a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes to being a crucified Savior wrapped in grave clothes. It's because they're CEO. Christmas and Easter only. Some of y'all going to get that about halfway home. You're going to run off Interstate 240 thinking about, whoa, preacher. It's important. Many will flock to the church to hear about a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Many will flock to the church to hear about a crucified lamb wrapped in grave clothes. But they hardly show.
go up to hear about any of the other things and benefits the gift wrapped can do. If you didn't know what this was, it's a gift. Amen? That was a safe place to say amen. It's a gift. Let's try it. This is a gift. Oh, okay, we're going somewhere now. This gift was given to me. Pretending. I actually wrapped it. I know what's in it. But just pretend for me. Here. Give me that gift. This gift was given to me. People say, why do you... Look, the Bible says laughter doeth good like a medicine. Some of us need to remind our face that we're saved. In spite of what we got going on. I was given a gift by my lovely wife. Thank God it's not fruitcake. I've learned that when my wife wraps gifts, she'll write a name on the gift. Because she learned the hard way one time that she thought she would remember what paper was wrapped on what gift and somebody opened up the wrong gift. and So we now write names on all gifts, right? We learned the hard way, didn't we? But you write somebody's name on the gift, right? So you know who to give the gift to. She's given me this gift. Now that I have received the gift. Y'all see me receive the gift? I now have some decisions to make. Take the gift back. Because I want to illustrate this point. Tell me you have a gift for me. Reach it out to me. Now, just hold your arm right there. Don't miss this. I have a choice to make. I can receive the gift or I can reject. Well, it's not as big as I hoped it would be, so I don't think I want it. It's not quite packaged like I pictured it, so perhaps I don't want what's in it. But I have a choice to make. And I'm going to make the first choice to receive the gift. All right. Now that I've received the gift, if you're counting, I have five choices. My second choice after receiving the gift is I have to choose what to do with the gift. I mean, there's no law written that says I have to do anything with the gift. I'll just pitch it to the side. When the notion strikes, I might decide to open it. Well, you know what? I don't know what it is, so if I'm without it, I'll never miss it. So I'm going a little slow this morning because I don't want you to miss anything. I don't know what's in the gift, so if I never open it, I'm not going to ever miss it. So I could choose to re-gift it. Don't open it. If that's what I choose to do, I have a choice to make when I receive the gift. I've received it. Now I have to decide. Am I going to open it? Or am I going to leave it concealed in the wrapping? Choice number two. Here's choice number three. 
After choosing to unwrap the gift, I've chosen to unwrap the gift. I haven't unwrapped it yet. I'm about to. Somebody said it was chocolate. You should have brought a snack. I'm going to preach a while. I've chosen to unwrap the gift. And even though I've unwrapped the gift, I can still choose to decide whether I want it or not. Hello. I don't know why she'd buy me this. What does she think I'm going to do with this? Is that the way we are sometimes? So I have a choice to make. I've unwrapped the gift and made a mess just like a kid. But I must choose to now either use the gift or put the gift to use for me. I could sit here and look at the gift and admire the gift. It's a deck of cards. It's, it's a game. I know what it is. I'm not that crazy. But I can choose to enjoy the gift or I could choose to let it go lay on a shelf somewhere and not do anything with it. I could choose to put the gift to work for me, to bring me some entertainment and some happiness, or I can just do away with it. I know how to play this game. It's been around a while. The skip bow. But before I knew how to play the game, I had to read some instructions to teach me how to use the gift. To receive the full function of the gift. I know it's a deck of cards. And I can take the cards out. And I can look at all the pretty colors of the cards. And I sit here and go, what in the world do I do? I don't know how to use it. And I can sit here with the instructions in front of me all day long. And go, I wish somebody tell me how to do this. Or I can be mature enough to read the words in the instruction manual. I must read the instructions the gift brought with it. It's the fourth thing. The fifth thing. Once I've chosen to read, now the instructions of the gift must be implemented, applied, followed, or obeyed for the gift to truly work. I'm done. No, I'm really not. I could be if you got it. But I want to elaborate on it a little bit more. Is that all right? So the way I look at this is an engaged couple with a pregnant woman 
she has a baby. And she wraps the babe in swaddling clothes. Lies him in a manger. Now you must understand something. This babe is not like any other baby. I've already established that. It wasn't just an addition to a family. It wasn't just, just, a, just a new family member. But it was a king. It's a Messiah. It's the Lamb. It's the Savior. It's, it, it's the leader of God's kingdom. But this baby is different than all other babies. Not just the fact that it's the king and the lamb and the Messiah and the Savior and all of those things. Not trying to diminish that. But can I just simply tell you, you better write this down, you better tweet it, you better Facebook it. You may have never heard it said like this before. I, it's not in my notes. It's a Holy Ghost point. It just came right on the fly. This is the only baby in the history of all time. Not another one since. And I dare say not another one in the future will be. But it's the only baby in all of creation, in all of time, that came packaged with an instruction manual. There's no theology in that preacher. You want to make a bet? John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh. In the beginning John said was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And verse 14 said. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among men. Jesus is the word of God. with an instruction manual. Hello, somebody. First, would you come take this baby and hand this baby to me? First, I have to choose to actually receive him. He was born the Savior. He accomplished his task at Calvary when he paid for the salvation of all of humanity. Help me, Jesus. John 3.16, I want to recite it again. For God so loved the world that he gave the first gift that's ever been given. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Watch this. The gift has been given to all. However, we must choose to receive the gift for ourselves. We must choose to receive Christ because failure to receive Him is to reject Him. Point number two. After receiving the gift... I have to choose to unwrap the gift or leave it concealed in its wrapping. Did you hear that earlier? Okay. Once I've decided to, re to receive the fact that this baby was born of a virgin as the Messiah and the salvation of the world, I must unwrap 
the gift. Some organization stumble on this message and I just toss that baby in there and I'll be all over CNN by 5 o'clock. Y'all found that way too funny. Once I've decided to unwrap him, I've made the choice, brother. I no longer want Jesus just to be a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes to me. I, 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 I want there to be something more to this babe than just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Born of a virgin, the Messiah, I must unwrap the gift. What does that mean? Meaning that he has to become more to me than just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. I must also choose to let him become more than a crucified Christ wrapped in grave clothes. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Isn't that scripture? Well, if he is the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith, author, finisher, author and finisher, then everything in between has to be about him too. So after choosing to unwrap the gift, I must choose to put the gift to use for me. Many today have chosen the gift and unwrapped him. However, they failed to use the gift to its fullest benefit. He desires to work on our behalf. However, too many people fail to place their faith in him and embrace all that he is able to do for them. It's cute. Babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. I'm just going to tell you right now. We have become so accustomed to singing the Christmas carols of the season that they no longer mean anything to us. We'll sing joy to the world. Hello? And we'll sing that and it just is muscle memories all it is. We get to the third verse of that song and we'll just, we'll just sing it just like it says. He rules the world. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Because if it did, we'd live different. I'm being pastoral for just a moment. If we truly believe that He ruled the world, then it would be different for us. We would live like He ruled the world. We wouldn't live like He just fell off the throne because some political party or group has decided to do something. You say... Preacher, don't bring politics into the pulpit. Jesus did. Hello, somebody. But the problem with the church is we've given so much ground to the enemy that we don't know where to draw the line and start taking some ground back. But the fact of the matter is, He still rules the world. I'll get to that in a moment. The fourth point. How am I doing? Help me. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. It ain't four o'clock. Praise God. Fourth point. To receive the full function of the gift, I must read the instructions the gift brought with him. The only way to fully understand the benefits of the gift is to read the instructions. Somebody say amen. The instruction manual that's been given for us 
Oh, you know, it's the book that's in every home and the one that's got the most dirt on it. Do you know for years this has been the most bought book in, in America? And probably the least read. Laying a Bible on our coffee table is not going to get us anywhere. Hello, somebody. We've got to read the instruction manual. It's the very Word of God. And it's not just accounts of stories of old, but the Word of God is alive. It is quick. It is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder a bone and marrow. It is the Word of the living God. I'm about to run out over OKC. Help me, Holy Ghost. We can never understand all that Christ is and all that He can be for us until we choose to immerse ourselves in the Word. Oh, it's cute. Babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Beautiful pictures on a, on a, a Christmas card. That's beautiful. It's great. Amen? But so much more to it than a photo shoot. Our faith will never rise to the level of believing without a healthy diet of the Word. The Bible is very plain. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It must be heard whether you read it, whether you hear it preached, whether you hear it sung. And I'll just go right here and tell you, well, I've already opened up this can today, that if the only Word you get is on Sunday and Wednesday, you are spiritually anemic and you need a trip to the altar and open the book and let it give you some faith in life. Who you mad at, preacher? I'm mad at the devil. I ain't mad at nobody but the devil. But I know what happens. Oh, we're too busy. Listen, you can be wide awake. The minute you open that book to read it. <laughs> Hello? Some of you are laughing because you're guilty. You've experienced it. I'm not being harsh. I'm just telling you that we need to understand what the gift is. We need to understand. There's only one way to understand it. We must have the Word of God. We must engage in His Word to allow it to become a way of life for us. <laughs> you see, if He's only a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, then you'll never know what He did in His ministry life. But there was so much that happened in His ministry life that speaks to us today. I, I Listen. Lord, help me, Holy Ghost. It disturbs me when people say, I'm going to have the victory when I get to heaven. God didn't die for you to live in defeat today. Brother Moore, you might ought to come preach. I'm getting in trouble. We ought to walk every day in the victory of God. That don't mean everything's going to go your way. It don't mean everything's going to be handed to you on a silver platter. But it means that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be faithful to you. And he's going to always, throughout all of eternity, be right with you every step of the way. You see, if he's just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, then you'll never know. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. If he's just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, you'll never understand how in the darkest of night uh, he can shake the jail cell the enemy has entrapped you in. If he's just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, you'll never understand that in the midst of the storms of life, he'll come walking on the water to deliver you. 
And if he's just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, you'll never truly understand that he'll be the fourth man in the fire with you. If he's just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, you'll never understand that he said, I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother when everybody else walks away from you, when everybody else forsakes you, when nobody else is left standing in your corner. Just turn around. I, Jehovah, will still be in your corner. All he is is a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Or a crucified Christ wrapped in grave clothes. Then you'll never understand that there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound and he's going to step out on the clouds of glory. Then everything we've been through will far be worth it all. The old red back hymnal said it like this. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials. I don't know about you. I'm not looking for another way out. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet and I'm looking for Jesus to step out on the clouds of glory. Help me, Holy Ghost. It doesn't bother me if you have a manger scene at your house. But this is not the totality of his story. It's only the beginning. Just like when he was crucified and suspended between heaven and earth on an old rugged cross, it wasn't the end of the story. It was only the beginning for the child of God. Because the reality of it is just simply this. For him to be all of those things to you. The fifth point. The instructions of the gift must be implemented, applied, followed, or obeyed for the gift to work for me. You know what that means? If the Bible says we are to do it, then there is no ground to debate it. Let me just go ahead and mess with some theology this morning. Contrary to what you may believe, this is not a book of multiple choice. You don't get to go down through there and circle all the answers you want and skip over the answers God said must be applied. No, 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 no. It's not multiple choice. It's not multiple choice. Well, I'm doing everything the Bible says, really. Really, every, every, everything. He said, preacher, that sounds cruel. No, I just know we're human flesh and we still have some places that we need to sharpen. Be careful when you say, well, I'm doing everything the Bible says. Are you really? Our prayer needs to be, Lord, help me. But the problem has become, instead of molding and shaping our life to fit this book, we want to mold and shape the book to fit our life. We've gotten to a place in the world today where we want to see how much we can get away with and still feel saved. I told somebody one time, I might have said it here even. If you've got to ask if something's a sin, you probably don't need to be doing it. Because chances are you've already had a little bit of conviction in your mind. Listen, here's why this is so important. Until the gift is unwrapped and becomes more than just a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, we'll never understand his role as a wonderful counselor. He gives the best advice. When you don't know what to do, he knows exactly what you need to do. He'll never become the mighty God 
He'll never become the God who can step down in a situation where everything is against you and speak one word in pieces. Now in your midst. He'll never be the everlasting Father. Your eternal Father. Let me be very transparent for you for just a moment. Because this hits home to me in a way that it, it, it can hit home for other people if, if they will embrace this. And I'm not saying because I had to get to this point in my life that you have to get to this point in your life. I'm just telling you, I just want to be transparent a moment and help you with this everlasting father part. Unfortunately, my biological father chose to not be a part of my life. The last time I saw him, I was in the third grade. I'll never forget the setting. It was at my grandparents' house. Sitting in the living room. From that day, I never saw him again. January the 8th of 2008, I got a phone call in Shreveport, Louisiana from a woman I didn't know. And she said, is this Nathan Bounds? And I said, it is. She said, I'm sorry to tell you that your dad has passed away. My wife can attest to the gamut of emotions that went through me. I was hurt, I was sad, I was angry, I was mad. Because I couldn't understand what it was that caused him to not want to know me. Stand, Brother Mike. Then I finally had to come to the realization that it was his choice. And in spite of those decisions, I reached out to him. I made contact with him. He would call me or he would write me a letter and just drop off the face of the earth again. On January the 8th of 2008, his body was taken to a funeral home. I went to the funeral home to make final arrangements for a man I didn't know. I said, I'd like to see him. Oh, we can't do that. Because he was in Las Vegas, Nevada, they were backlogged. It would be 10 days before we could ever touch him. I had seven days from the time I left Louisiana to the time I got back to Louisiana because Abby Lee was on TPN vein feeding. And because it had to be refrigerated, we could only get seven days of medication at a time. I didn't have 10 days. So I can literally tell you the last time I ever laid eyes on my earthly father was when I was in the third grade. But I had to get to a point in my life to where I allowed my heavenly father to be my father. And I'm going to tell you something. I'll be the first to tell you with my hand raised. I am not the best daddy in the world. But I'm far not the worst. And everything I learned about how to be a daddy, I learned from my father. 
I learned the things not to do. I learned not to leave. I learned not to run. I learned not to be absent. So when he says an eternal, everlasting father... He can be your provider like your earthly father was supposed to be. He can be the one who wraps his arms around you to comfort you like your earthly father was supposed to. He can be the one that you run to and tell everything that you would tell your earthly father. He makes a great husband too, ladies, if you. I'm just telling you today, you may say, preacher, I've got a void in my life because my father's been absent. You have a father. He sits on the throne of heaven. <laughs> Let me just tell you a little bit about him. But you got to unwrap him to know this. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He'd bankrupt heaven for you. Everything he has belongs to you. If you're, if you're his child, you're an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus to everything he has. <laughs> and if we'll ever unwrap him, we'll understand that he'll be the Prince of Peace. In the midst of the most chaotic, tumultuous of circumstances, he'll be our Prince of Peace. Listen, I'm almost done. For unto us, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born. This was a prophetic word from the book of Isaiah. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the armies of the Lord will accomplish this. The last thing I want to say. As long as... As he is a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. You'll never understand. That he is Emmanuel. And we know Emmanuel to mean. God with us. I want to dive into Emmanuel for just a moment. I won't be much longer. Oh Emmanuel. God with us. It's, it's muscle memory. We say it. But do we really understand it? Do we really believe it? Do you really get it? Watch this. Emmanuel. God with us. Do you know what that really means? It really means Emmanuel, God with us. God in front of us. God behind us. God beside us. God over us. God underneath us. God within us. Emmanuel. Get him out of the manger. So you understand it. He is God in front of us.
to prepare the way. He is God behind us to support us. He is God beside us so we never walk alone. He is God over us as our covering. He is God underneath us as he carries us in the most darkest of times. He is God around us so he is always aware of what's going on in our life. And he is God with us by way of the Holy Spirit. God within us. My Lord God. You've got to unwrap him. And you've got to read the instructions. May I just challenge you this Christmas season and in the coming year to immerse yourself in the instruction manual and understand all the benefits that he is, can be, and wants to be for us. I'm going to say this, and then we're going to stand. I wrote this down because I wanted to be very direct. I didn't want to waver from what I felt the Lord put in my spirit. I've determined as the pastor of Southern Hills Church of God that we need to be a word people. I said I've determined that we need to be a word people. A church immersed in the word is less likely to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. A church that is immersed in the word is less likely to be rocked to their core when something happens. And rest assured, it's going to happen. When we immerse ourselves in the word, our response becomes different to the things that impact us. Our approach becomes different. Our reaction becomes different. Our response is different. Because when we have truly immersed ourselves in the word and some situation happens, the word becomes our response. Man, I didn't see that coming, but God did because He has the all-seeing eye. Oh, boy. That caught me by surprise. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. That caught me by surprise. But you know what? God saw it before it ever got to me. So if God saw it before it ever got to me and it might have caught me by surprise and God's already prepared the way. All I got to do is stay in the word. All I got to do is follow him. Listen to him. Let him lead me, guide me, and direct me. And I will not waver. But can I show you what most of the time we do when something catches us by surprise? We're a worst case scenario people. We're not a faith people. Because if you've not been in the word, you ain't got no faith. Thank you, preacher. It's the truth. It's not my word is his. I'm just telling you what happens. The enemy wants us to be spiritually anemic. So he takes the word away from us because he makes us think we don't have time for it. We fall asleep when we try to read it. We're too busy for it. We got time for everything. But the word. I'm just going to tell you right now. If we're watching TV more than we're reading the word. Then you have time to read the word. You just choose not to. I have people tell me all the time. Well I need to get out of here. I need to, I need to quit. But I'm just, going to, I'm just exposing some lies of the devil. Is that alright? Can I expose some more lies of the devil? Well I had people tell me. So, Pastor I can't memorize scripture. Really? But Jesus wept. That's, that's, that's a start. 
But, but the, brother, they tell me, they say, they say, I'm going to look this way. I'm, I don't know what they're looking like out there right now. They say, Pastor, I can't memorize scripture. I said, you can't. No, I just, you know, my, my memory's wavering a little bit. And I just, I just, it just, it just don't work for me anymore. Really. But you know what I've determined? They know every favorite channel on DirecTV. Pick it up and key in the three-digit code, and guess what comes up? What are you saying? I'm not being ugly. I'm saying we've allowed the enemy to slip in and rob us of some things. We need to get back to some basics. And I'm just telling you right now, if we'll get back to this basic right here, 2023 will be a banner year for your life and this church. Listen, I'm, I, I, I'm not one of those preachers that's going to come in here and try to tickle you on the ear and send you on about your merry way. I want to be real with you if I don't be anything else. So I will stand right here and I will tell you that there are going to be some things that come your way in your life or your family in 2023 that you're not prepared for right now. You're not going to see them coming. You're not currently prepared for them. They will catch you by surprise, but it will not catch God by surprise. Why are you saying that, preacher? That's not real encouraging. Oh, I'm not finished. But if you'll immerse yourself in the Word, then when they come, you'll have the faith to carry you through. You see, I come to learn something. Brother, you better start playing because I'm, I'm about to preach again. I've come to learn something. Hold on, don't play yet. Don't play yet. I got to say this. I want them to hear this loud and clear. I've come to learn something. There's a deep theological thought in what I'm about to say if you'll get it. If you're driving your vehicle and you're smart enough to go by the filling station before it drinks all the gas, you'll never run out. But if you drive your vehicle until it runs out of gas, you're going to stop right where you are. If you read your Bible to get through what's happening today, but you toss it on the shelf because you don't need it because God brought you through that mess, the next time you come by something, it's going to stop you in your tracks because you're not going to have no faith to draw from. It's kind of like an ATM machine. You've got to have something in there to get something out. You've got to have some word in you to get some word out of you. Well, you say, preacher, listen, we've got to become immersed in the word and be a word church. And if we'll be a word church, we'll be a church the devil can't stop in 2023. Stand with me all over this house.